Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, round one is in the books in the NRL season. And uh, what a weird and wacky weekend. It's been and things escalating by the minute. Joined now by Boxhead in isolation. You're, you're a bit crook yourself, mate. Hopefully not coronavirus. No, I've, I've just got... Well, this afternoon, I've got a bit of a sore throat and a runny nose, so I thought, well, I'll, um, it's better safe than sorry, I suppose. So, uh, And we can do it on the phone, so <clears throat> I thought, well, that's the way we'll do it, my friend. That's the way we'll do it. The last thing I want to do is pass on to anyone else, so... Um, yeah, but I feel fine, so... Well... We find ourselves, as we said, in a very interesting situation. The coronavirus thing has been uh, building over the last couple of weeks. We've had a lot of stuff internationally, but now, obviously, uh, affecting the game we love, the game we talk about, and the whole point of why we do this show. And uh, as it stands at this point in time, this round in the NRL, there'll be no one present in the crowds. And as of today and developing further, we've now got the lower tier competitions, the New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup and potentially Matt's Ball 16s, 18s, all coming to a halt. New South Wales will be making a decision as of tomorrow morning, but the assumption and the most likely thing you could be 99% sure is that those competitions will be cancelled for the time being or postponed and the New South Wales Cups and Jersey flag, etc. are most likely also delayed until further notice. It looks that way, doesn't it? So we're, we're talking at 9pm on Tuesday for those who will listen at, at different times because this is obviously changing at, at a rapid rate. Uh, from what I've heard, there's a lot of meetings going on tonight uh, and there's going to be some big decisions made tomorrow uh, from a rugby league perspective. But I guess rugby league is just reacting to, to what the government's doing at the moment, what the recommendations are from New South Wales Health. Um, and, you know, all the experts that meet um, from that nationwide panel of medical experts. So, look, we're, we're certainly not experts on it. Uh, we're just going off the, I guess, the information that's been um, dispersed from, you know, TV and, and the briefings that we've had from our politicians and medical experts and the like. So uh, in no, no way am I going to talk about the virus or... You know anything from a medical perspective, but I just think at the moment it's the smart thing to do. Uh, you know, we, we sort of had the weird situation on the weekend, didn't we? We we had a an under 18s game, an under 16s game before it, a Tasha Gale game before that at Ringrose Park in Western Sydney. Um, you know, the advice the night before was that we weren't to shake hands. Uh, we were, you know, we were to have minimal people in the dressing room, and then. You know, you've got players shaking hands before the game. You've got players shaking hands after the game. You know, the, the line that we sort of got from our players was... We're tackling we're tackle each other. We're tackling each other for 70 minutes and then, you know, you don't want us to shake hands at the end of the game. So, and look, it was just... I, I don't think they I don't think they shook hands and, and did anything like that to, you know, middle finger anyone or to um, be disrespectful. I just think it was... It's habit. 
you know, I, I, I shook um, Craig Brennan, the Parramatta coach's hand at the end of the game. And I, after that, I thought, well, God, I'm a dickhead because I, I wasn't supposed to do that. Um, but, yeah, that's just something that we do in sports. I think, look, the smart move at the moment, particularly for children and, and look, the, the, the guys that we coach are 18, so some of them have their licence. But we've also got a large contingent of 17-year-olds who don't have licences, who have parents who are, you know, most of them are young and, and most of them would be able to handle this illness. But we do have some parents who, or some, uh, you know, kids that we coach that have grandparents living at home. Uh, we have players who are from Pacific uh, backgrounds, Pacific Islander backgrounds who are very, very close to their family. Some of them live next door to their families. Some of them live with their families. A lot of those family members are old or they have, uh, I guess, pre-existing uh, yeah, risk factors towards what they're... Yeah, so I, I just think right at this point in time, we, we don't know enough about... You know, there's a lot of speculation around about, you know, it doesn't affect young children. It, it only affects the elderly. You know, it'll just be a mild cold and you get, get over it. But I, I, don't, I don't know whether we know enough at the moment to really just be that blase. I think that the smart thing to do is just to go... No, more like professionally, I understand. If they, if they want to keep going professionally, that's a different different argument. But I think from 20s down, in the non-professional tiers of our game, I, I just think it's an absolute no-brainer just to, to stop uh, any games, players coming together. Um, you know, and this is, this is going to have ramifications much larger for these this age group, you know, from 18s, 16s, 20s in terms of, you know, tertiary education, school closures, you know, the, the ramifications are going to be huge, not just on the sporting field. So, look, I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a smart decision. The, the one issue, the one flow-on issue that's going to happen if they do close down the, uh, the Queensland Cup and the New South Wales Cup is the feeding of those players as, uh, I guess, squad players into the NRL. So that may... Uh, may play a part. The NRL may need to look at potentially, you know, training on or allowing teams to carry 40 players. Uh, I'm not sure. I guess they'd be looking at all that. Um, you know, if players do go down sick, do we just quarantine the whole team or do we isolate the players that are sick? Do we know enough about what the incubation time of the disease is? There's just so many different... Uh, so many different, um, I guess, questions that are uh, we don't have answers for at the moment. So I hope that's given you the, that. That's sort of where my head's at at the moment. I think it's an absolute no-brainer, in particular, to call off the Tasha Gale, the Harold Matthews, and the SG Ball and the equivalent uh, competitions in in Queensland. Well, I agree with you on that, and I think the other part of it is obviously they say that children, in particular. Teenagers and younger people, while they may not carry the symptoms, you, some, some people don't actually get sick. Some people are just carriers of the disease. But if anyone's going to spread it, it's going to be kids, preschools, daycares, high school, primary school, around adults and teachers. But I'll tell you right now, I've got a 19-month-year-old daughter and a seven-week-old baby. I don't feel comfortable with them being exposed to people that have the virus because, okay, so they say, look, it, it, the kid, it won't affect kids. Okay, so what solid medical advice have we got to say that that's true? Mm, but they're the best carriers as well, so it's... it's yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I just... Uh, yeah, I, I'm listening to the experts. I'm certainly not an expert, but I, 
it does bring a new level of anxiety. Like, I don't care about me. Like, if I, if I get it, I get it. You know, and that, that, that may sound silly, but I, my, my, uh, I guess my worry is that if my kids get it. Yeah. I don't want my kids getting it. So, for me, if I'm exposed to a player at SG Ball or Harold Matthews or somewhere external, like, I'm a, I'm a school teacher as well, and where schools are still opening, so I'm, I'm going into a classroom at the moment that, you know, with 20 and 30 students, four, five times a day, who could all be carrying it. So I, you, just, you just don't know. We don't know enough about any of it at the moment. No. So and again, I'm, I'm I like the you. The safest thing to do is just to minimise contact, minimise any, anything that we're doing that could be uh, spreading the virus. I'm not a medical expert either, but yeah, by the sounds of it, and again, only going off what some of the medical people are saying, children, teenagers, more than likely don't get sick from it, but they're the best carriers. But again, them being the best carriers in those particular environments, using public transport, going to school, daycares, etc., will pass it on to the people you're talking about, which would be adults, which could then pass it on to your grandparents or your parents or those who may have pre-existing conditions or in that age bracket that they're worried about. And I guess moving more on to the NRL side of things, you've heard most players say they're happy to continue playing on right now if the NRL and their experts and their uh, biomedical team or biosecurity team are happy with the way things are going. And then the opposite side of it, Cameron Smith, I think it was yesterday, after their game, said to him they should stand down for a month and push things back and they can play it later on or put Origin post-season saying in, you know, they want to go home to their families, their children, their parents, etc., without feeling that they're at risk of spreading it or, uh, you know, I, I think for the most part, a lot of the players have supported it. He seems to be one of the only ones that have come out. I can see both sides of it. Craig Bellamy said similar. He, he has 80-something-year-old parents, and if they're around it every single week or exposed, uh, he can kind of see both sides of it as well. But I, I guess there's just so many things we don't know. Empty stadiums this week, people are saying, why don't we have empty stadiums? Uh, in round one no fans isolation the squad situation you talked about before I'm pretty sure they've basically come out today and said that they'll have access to all 36 players so if you've got development players as well if someone is sick they're more than likely going to try and isolate one player if they can test everyone else and hopefully be able to just isolate said player to not affect the draw but that's my next question if someone did get affected by it and there is the incubation period we basically how do we move forward? Like, if, if I've played Cronulla, say, and I'm Parramatta, and one of my players is sick, and then I have to hold off my players, you can't play the next team. Surely, why you're not tested, the Sharks may be affected. They can't play. There's two games off your calendar, and catching it up later on or doing double-ups and whatnot, it's just going to be an absolute mess. So, basically, in my opinion, they can push forward as they are now, isolating fans, isolating everyone else, isolating the crowds, having those extended squads basically going to and from training games, etc. But the moment one player gets it and there's a bit of a knock-on effect or some testing to be done, I don't see how the comp moves forward. Well, I, I do. I just think eventually, like the government sort of said, that they're, they're trying to slow the spread. They're not going to... They're not. It's inevitable that we're not going to be able to stop the spread. So, you know, the numbers are out there that, you know, what is it, one in five are going to have it within the next month or whatever, I think everyone's eventually going to get it. I just think that we need to try to ensure that we, uh, I guess, we minimise how quickly 
the rugby league, our NRL professional rugby league players get it. And if we can do that, then we can push forward with the competition um, to a point. Now, I think if we get to a point where we've got large amounts of players who are contracting it, in, in, in the near future, I think we're going to have to suspend the competition. But if we can push on for the next, you know, I'm just spitballing here, maybe the next two to four to six weeks and we can get through those rounds and, you know, there happens to be breakthroughs and more information about, you know, the, the risk factors and, you know, how to avoid the virus or, you know, that the virus isn't as bad as what we think and et cetera, et cetera. Potentially, if players do contract it, we can just say, okay, isolate them um, or isolate that particular team for a, a point in time and we'll push on with the other games and then we'll replay those other games at a later date. I think at the moment, the issue is, and, and probably what I said in that opening um, opening spiel, is that we don't really have a lot of information. Now, there's, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading this afternoon and there's, there seems to be a lot of breakthroughs. There's a few vaccines that have been trialled. So, look, I, th- I think we're certainly in a better position than what we were, you know, like a, a month ago when the coronavirus was a bit of a joke, wasn't it? It was sort of something that people were joking about. Now it's here and it, it started to spook people a little. Um, I think we're all starting to take it seriously. So I honestly think that the longer we can push on and, and during that time... We're going to be getting more information. Medical experts are going to be working their backsides off to try and not solve it, but try and do as much as they can to prevent it and ensure that people can recover as quickly as possible and that hopefully it's not causing fatalities, et cetera, et cetera. The better chance we're going to have to push on with the competition, um, you know, in its entirety, I guess. I think one thing's for sure. Uh, we don't know how this is going to go moving forward, if it's going to affect the comp longer term, if it's going to be a short term thing, if it's going to stop the comp but 2020 is certainly going to have an asterisk over it and a lot of people are going to remember it full stop for all different reasons in life but in particular on the sporting calendar and all competitions because of the coronavirus Yeah um, Another interesting point Carl, this, there's been suggestions that moving into warmer temperatures up north and isolating and playing at one or two grounds would be a smarter idea and that environment again not being a medical expert, it's more conducive to avoid the virus. Is that something they look into? I don't know. But I think that they are looking at it, definitely. Behind closed doors, they're definitely looking at it. There's apparently a resort in North Queensland or somewhere up there that said that they could house everyone from the NRL, their biosecurity team. Today they were talking about it, looking into something like that to see is that a good idea, is that a bad idea. There's still so many unknowns, but for me, uh, as somebody who's obviously... Well, I think if they were going to do that, they would have to, firstly, get everyone to agree to it. Secondly, they'd then have to test every single person before they left. We have to go test the, the resort. Well, that, that, that first. Oh, that, that's assuming that that's been done. Yeah, you know? thoroughly cleaned. And then or... you'd have to test every employee and then just, okay, rightio, for, for this period of time, everyone's here, not leaving. Hmm. Okay, once we can say that everyone in that, in that facility... Is, is free of the virus, you can then just say, right, I lock the place down. But then again, you've got the issue of getting food in and out. And, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Lots the smarter of lots. people than me, they'll make that, deci- make that decision and make that judgment on whether it's a viable option. But to me, that seems the most logical option if they can make it work. Because, you know, you still, at the moment, we're going to have teams travelling at the moment. 
uh, to different environments. And, you know, with every car door you open and every person you walk past and, you know, every new environment that you're in, I guess your risk and percentage of uh, chance of catching it probably goes up. Again, not knowing, but I think the minimal interaction and the minimal amount of movement and the more isolation um, we can have, it's just that seems to be the only way that you can really prevent uh, contracting it. And if we want to continue to play, then these are the options we've got to uh, we've really got to look at, aren't they? Yep. And the NRLs obviously said today as well they're going to have to make some cuts with an upper management and with their own jobs to survive. They no, had a... I think that's a bit premature. Well, right, right now, right, right at this point in time, I think we've like had a lot... one round. Uh, you know, if we go six, eight, ten, twelve weeks where you know financially we're struggling a little, I think it's something that they may look at, but. I just struggle. I struggle to see how we could be in such a dire financial position after really we haven't gone one week without crowds or revenue or whatever. I think people are overreacting. And look, I know that you know you're probably going to talk about the the sludge fund and the the, or the future fund or whatever well, it was that it's gone now. We were supposed to have and we don't have now and. You know, whose fault that is, I don't think it really matters now. I think we can all acknowledge that it's something that should have been uh, kept and should have been invested in and it hasn't been. Uh, and that's going to cause some issues and it is causing issues at the moment. And There's a little bit of anxiety and insecurity around the fact that we don't have as much money uh, stashed away as what we probably should. We don't have a lot of assets, etc., etc., etc. But... I just think as long as they can play the games, they're going to be getting that $15 million a week. Uh, What I will say is the fact that they're so quick to say that we can cut costs at NRL headquarters after one week and no real actual loss of funds as yet tells me that they were probably overspending in in those departments to start with. Well, we already know they're top-heavy, but I think there's going to be a knock-on effect in a lot of other areas. How long does this go for refunding tickets, refunding memberships. There's other money that's there that clubs are probably going to have to hand back depending on how long this plays out for. Some staff members at clubs, uh, are they deemed non-essential going forward or given the current climate? We don't know that. And then the other part is for the players, obviously they're ones that are also nervous because whether they like it or not, part of the collective bargaining agreement is the little clause in there called the Act of God clause, which basically says in the situation of something like this... uh, something that can't be controlled by either party, there's a possibility that they're going to have to reduce wages or cut the salary cap or renegotiate in the situation of this happening. So players are potentially going to have to uh, take a bit of a hit in the pocket as well to keep the game afloat because, as Peter Valeni said, realistically, if you look at it, if we halted tomorrow, they've got about three months' worth of money to cover everything. And anything further than that, they were seeking government help the government's obviously came out and said they've got bigger priorities, which you can understand there's plenty of people that are going to be asking for handouts Lots of small businesses are going to be copping it right now, and I know some people have already said, "Oh, there's funding for that." But this is going to—if this drags out for as long as what some are predicting, some people are saying up until spring, this could potentially be a four to six month issue. Well, then if that happens, there's going to be a lot of people financially that are just crippled in the economy and going to be hurting a lot more than rugby league. Yeah, but rugby league uh, contributes to that economy, so I can see both sides of the argument. Um, yeah, it's, well, it's a difficult one. Again, we're, we're talking about 
things that we don't know. I'd, I'd rather deal in the facts. The right here and right now is that we've played round one. We're about to play round two. We're not going to have the revenue from the gates and all the other external things that uh, provide money to the game. But the fact of the matter is, if we can get those eight games on television this weekend, then the game's going to be all right. I will say. And then, you know, the battle will then be to get it on, on air and get the games happening every week. Yeah. Now, I will say the other thing for pushing forward at this point in time, and a couple of people flooded the last couple of days, but it was one of the first things I thought of. With the NBA stopping and all these other sporting codes frozen at this point in time, the Super League's obviously been frozen today because they've got the French team, the Canadian team, international travel. They've had no choice but to shut down until April 3rd, I think it is at this time in Bean. There's a lot of global opportunity here if the NRL can somehow manage to keep this self-isolated and keep it on TV to hit up ESPN or to hit up Sky Sports or to keep pushing for certain networks and different countries that need content possibly and try and maybe find further avenues. It's, it's a very, very rough time to be talking about opportunities for growing the game and finding more money, but um, that's something that's been floated in the last couple of days. It's an opportunity if they can somehow keep the competition going in full without any issues and potentially find another uh, market. And I think probably the last thing we haven't really covered was the New Zealand Warriors situation. Obviously, no one will be going over there. They've agreed to stay for one more week, but as of today, there's been more talks that the group that they have there now, the extended squad for now, minus a couple that had to go home for family reasons, which is understandable, will be happy to stay potentially for four to six weeks and see how things happen. And they're now talking about the possibility of loaning in players from feeder clubs or other squads or other clubs if they're willing to, if they need players. So I think they have about 24 healthy players over here at this point in time, and the NRL has given them dispensation to play four development players who are currently here as well. So that, that's another interesting factor that the Warriors at one point there, it seemed like they had the potential to be, you know, I don't know if they were going to be cut completely out of the picture for this season or they were going to play them without them at the 15 and have one buy and seven games every week. But it seemed like a real possibility that if they didn't want to stay moving forward, that we potentially could have had a 15-team comp or, I don't know, a different circumstance altogether. Yeah. Again, yeah, it's, there is opportunity there. I just think we need to worry about Ground Zero. Just get the games on. Whatever opportunities open up outside of that, great, but get the games on. Uh, that's got to be the, the prime focus. And from a player's perspective, you know, you spoke about the players and the CBA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The fact of the matter is, is that they're paid to play. If they're not playing, then how do they expect to get play, paid? It's no fault of the NRL, it's no fault of anyone, but I think their prime responsibility at the moment is to do absolutely everything they can to not contract this virus. Yeah, and some of like... That's their job. Okay, so... so um, yeah, I, I just don't... I don't understand how some players would be... Saying, you know, I, I think Fanua Blake was the one today. Um, I saw some uh, snippets of his press conference um, you know when he was wearing a mask and sort of saying well you know I think I should be paid if the pay, if the comp scored off well the fact of the matter is, is that the, the, there won't be any money coming into the game so I'm not sure where he thinks the money's going to come from um, now I do sympathise with the players from the angle that if the competition is called off and they then have to take cuts 
or don't get paid at all. Um, you know, I feel for the I feel for the players that are on low wages. They're the ones I feel for. I don't, I don't really feel for the rep players and the, the players on the huge cash because they should be able to weather a little period like this, um, considering how much money they make. Uh, and really, I think looking ahead, think about the financial windfall that rugby league's going to get when rugby league resumes. If we do have to shut down, or if, for example, crowds aren't allowed for the next six to eight weeks, imagine what the crowds are going to be like after that. Everyone's going to be rushing to see rugby league and wanting it back. I think this will be a good shot in the arm, and it may uh, re-energise some people who have fallen out of love with the game. Uh, particularly if if you have, you know, you got Super Rugby shut down. Uh, I think the A-League at the moment is still going ahead. Uh, I'm not too sure. But, you know, if, if fans aren't watching the NBA, they're not watching, you know, the AFL uh, as well. So, like you said, there's opportunity. Get the games on. Make sure that we're uh, putting a good product out there. And it, you may uh, engage fans outside of, you know, our normal rusted-on, uh, crazies like us and mm. most, of our, most of our listeners yeah and I think the last thing for me uh, would be South Sydney today unfortunately they've had an open training base that's not the case they've basically told them stay away from restaurants cafes bits and pieces at this point in time we need to narrow our focus if we want to keep getting games we want to keep getting paid like you're saying and things keep moving basically home training least amount of contact as possible and we push on for as long as we possibly can and for a lot of us at home that are going through this and people that can't buy fucking toilet paper because everyone's gone mad and got selfish and taken all that and the flour and the pasta and everything off the shelves in a couple of weeks people are going to be crying out for something to watch on tv or something live and potentially rugby league could be one of the only things that's still going well i'll tell you now i um you know talking personally we uh we've got about three days or four days left of baby formula for our seven week old and I spent from two o'clock this afternoon until about six o'clock tonight going from shop to shop to shop to chemist to chemist to chemist trying to find the formula that we use. Yeah. And in that time I was able to find one one tin, but you know, usually I can just go down to Woolies and buy a tin or two and stick one in the cupboard and they, they last usually uh, four or five days so you know I've got another 10 now so we've got enough for I don't know seven or eight days I don't care if I don't eat for the next seven or eight days as long as um, you know my kids have got enough there for them to eat but you know these selfish pricks that have gone and bought and hoarded and, and just thought about themselves I, you learn a lot about people during times like these and there's just been absolute pandemonium and craziness and selfishness, you know, like I was at Coles at Penrith today and there was an elderly lady that I would imagine normally wouldn't go to the shops. Like, she, she could barely walk. Um, and she was at the service desk because I only, I only had a handful of things because I wasn't able to get nappies and formula and stuff that I needed. And she was at the service desk asking, how, how do I get toilet paper? How do I get pasta? How do I get rice how do I get flour how do I get because there's nothing on the shelf mm. and she, she couldn't this lady couldn't walk I watched her uh, I was at my car you know trying to um, put some stuff away and, uh, and and get into my car and I saw her coming out and she 
she struggled to walk from, you know, 50 metres because she couldn't walk. But these are the type of people who, A, shouldn't be out in public because they're at a huge risk if, if she contracted the virus, but they're, they're out in public trying to get essentials because there's some of us that have just gone absolutely off our heads and gone crazy and lost our mind and just gone into self-protection and selfish mode and just thought of ourselves, not everyone else. It's it's a really, really crazy time, but I think it says a lot about people um, and a lot about the generation that we live in that too often we just give a shit about ourselves, not other people. So, um, yeah, craziness. And, and I had a lady today when I was buying the formula, there was, there was other, you know, tins and tins of formula there um, and I got the, the one that I need and she said, well, why don't you buy three or four of them? And I said, well, because at the moment I don't need three or four of them because there'll be someone else coming in, in you know, 10 or 15 minutes that's going to need it that's in the same predicament that we're in. Um, you know, I, I just feel at the moment that I should be shopping. I'm just going to continue to shop how I would week to week because if everyone just did that, then we'd be okay. And even if we go into lockdown, I think, you know, grocery stores are still going to have to be open because... It's essential items. Like, we, we need them open in order for us to be able to function as a society. So I, I really don't understand people's mindset, and I think it's really a sad indictment on some of us, not all of us, certainly, that mm. we've just gone into selfish mode. It's craziness. Yeah. And on the back of that, uh, our old man's a small business owner, obviously feeling the pinch at the moment with a lot of business disappearing because of this, but for anyone that listens to the show... I'm sure we've got plenty of people who are small businesses or have family, friends, etc., that are affected by this. Uh, I guess from both of us, I'd just like to say I hope that this doesn't go on for as long as it does. I hope it doesn't affect people's livelihoods and families and futures. And we've all obviously taken a hit in the super. That you know that that bullet wasn't going to miss anybody. But just in general, for a lot of people out there, um, I hope it doesn't go for as long or turn out to be as bad as what everyone's hoping. And I really hope it doesn't set people back as badly as what it seems it possibly can. So, anyone... well, if there's any any um, any small business owners that want to inbox us and feel as though if we could share, um, you know, advertisements or your page or your business, and you think that that could spark some um, business for you, just just inbox us. Send us an inbox. We'll um, we'll happily post things up, uh, and we don't want anything for it. Uh, if you think is think that you know the platform that we've got and the fact that we could you know, get it out there to a whole heap of people. Um, yeah, just just send us an inbox um, and we'll do our absolute best to to try and get our listeners and small business owners, et cetera, et cetera, as much business as we could we can rally up. And I think just as a society, we need to all just keep in mind that uh, we've got to try and live as normal lives as we possibly can and support small business because... Um, you know, they're, they're what makes our society function and a lot of those people put so much into to building businesses up and, it, it, you know, can all be taken away in such a fell swoop and, and none of this is because caused by anyone's uh, actions. So it's let's just get behind each other and do as much as we possibly can uh, in order to make sure that everyone is okay during this period. Hundred percent agree. But I know, generally, generally mean that, and I know we haven't spoken about what I just offered, but I know that you'd fully support that. Like anyone who thinks, it thinks that from a small business perspective that 
hey, if you shared something or whatever, that it, that it would help, just inbox us and we'll do it. Yeah, and if you're a local like us, I guess just in general, we'd have a lot of people that are from out our way, Western Sydney, Penrith, etc. Just help out your local shops if people are still open, bakeries, cafes, whatnot, uh, unless things do end up in a lockdown where a lot of things do end up closing for the time being live your normal life and try and spend some money in these small businesses because I've got mates that work in restaurants and bars and bits and pieces and some of the Instagrams or photos or bits and pieces I've seen the last couple of days of places just empty because people are so scared right now and a lot of people actually feel angry because they understand that this could possibly be a real big and bad thing but it's also scaring a lot of people away from business because people are afraid to live a normal life or operate so um, yeah it's it's a weird time that's for sure but in summarizing or finishing up here Empty stadiums, no fans from here on out. I guess the big thing, what we want to see, hopefully for the NRL, because there's a lot of sport around the world and a lot of things that are cancelled, keep the 30 top squad players and the three to six development players in isolation to and from training, see what they come up with as far as the NRL, as far as moving to one or two stadiums or whether they keep it in Sydney or whatnot and the Warriors getting extra players if need be, etc. But if they can keep things pretty tight-knit as far as isolation between training ground and games, hopefully the competition pushes forward and we've got something that we can look forward to in these crazy times. Mm. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, look, if rugby league got shut down now, I'd, I'd tell you what, I'd be watching plenty of Netflix um, and Amazon Prime and I'd be spending a lot of time with my wife. Um, <laughs> which, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad thing, but I'd much prefer to be watching football three or four times a week and, you know, spending... You know, the three or four nights that we sort of watch our shows and and do our thing, but you know there there are times there, sort of Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, where I'm in, I'm locked in the theatre room and she's catching up on her shows, like I'm sure happens across the country. Um, I'd much prefer still to have that balance and have rugby league on our TV, but I totally understand if that's taken away from uh, from us for for the right reasons. And yeah, you just fingers crossed that we can. Firstly, keep everyone healthy and happy and safe, and uh, and secondly, that we can continue to watch the you know the game that we love. Yeah, a hundred percent. But we've gone probably well over on that that I wanted to, but it is a big issue. No, it's, it's I think it's appropriate. Yeah. I think people will it want is to a big hear issue. View on it, and uh, I think a lot of people are probably going to agree, disagree, and, and that's okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to say. And look, if the, if the competition does get shut down or suspended we're gonna we're gonna roll on we'll come up with some topics we'll, we'll chat footy so you know the rugby league's not going to stop from from our perspective um we're going to chat footy every week um and try and and, and give you guys content because I know, I know that's the fear I, I i fear that i fear the lack of content uh it's not so much the games it's, it's all the shows and the content around it well that i love to watch and consume so um we certainly won't be going off the airwaves. If anything, we, we might need to go a little bit longer and give you guys a little bit more content. Um, but we'll, we'll just deal in what what happens. And at the moment, we're just we're just going off uh, the current situation. And and as things move forward, we'll we'll just again just keep adjusting. And hopefully, footy obviously stays on the telly. Well, I can tell you right now, there shan't be a lack of content. Now, as our pop said and still does say to this day, that I could talk with a mouthful of marbles in wet concrete. So if the football does hold up, we'll be finding some stuff to talk about, rugby league-related, different topics. Who knows? For all I care, we've, I've got questions that people have asked us in the past that are probably too hard to do on a weekly basis within 
me and you having a head-to-head, say, fantasy drafts from the league of what we would pick to play each other head-to-head. Like, oh, we will yeah. come up with things if I have to or yeah, we have yeah. to. That's we not will. an issue. We will. Don't stress about us. We're here, baby. That's not an issue. But now we'll jump into some actual rugby league. And from round one, reviews of the games from the weekend, Boxhead. Uh, kicked off Thursday night, Eels, Dogs. Very physical, very fast. I did enjoy it to start off with, but to be honest, as the game wore on, uh, just an error fest, unfortunately. I thought the intensity and the physicality was still there, but both teams struggled with ball control. 13 errors apiece. I think the Bulldogs, no surprise there, had a few people already message us about what we said. They did exactly what I expected. Their defense was outstanding. They pushed really hard. Their middles, their yardage was good, but you know they were the worst attacking team in the competition last year, and uh, their spine, again, struggled to come up with points with the majority of good ball, to be honest. They had a lot more good ball than Parramatta, and on the Parramatta side of things, happy to see their goal line defense and what they held off, even though I didn't think the Bulldogs threw a lot at them. But as far as they're concerned, year two of their spine, which has been together and had a very, very big last year. I know it's only round one, but they they just weren't as good as what I was expecting. I know it's round one. Minimal changes, Madison Famau, Campbell Gillard in there. I thought their rotation got stronger. They got a great back five, but if anything, I think they just overplayed their hand a little bit too much. Any time they got a quick play of the ball, they went sideways. Even when they weren't generating good play of the balls, they had this obsession with sideways and too much ball movement. Yeah, it was a stinker. It was a stinker. I, I fell asleep with half an hour ago. I, I was so pumped for the start of the year, uh, and this game genuinely bored me. Uh, it was a physical start, like you said, and enjoyable, but, but after that it just became errors and Parramatta just wanted to play sideline to sideline and Canterbury, they just looked like they they just wanted to put a bomb up and um, and, and chase and hope. But the most exciting part of the night was probably Blake Ferguson's no try and backflip. That was probably the, <laughs> the most exciting part of it. And look, uh, the, the, there was a lot of defensive contact and some and big hits in this game, but um, you know, the suggested bets last week, I said back the dogs plus nine and a half, and that came in. Um, and I said back it into the under 36 and a half. So that was a slam dunk in, in terms of um, coin. So I hope, I hope a few people filled up on that, but. Um, yeah, well, it was a bit of a fizzle, wasn't it? And look, I, what impact all the coronavirus stuff and all the talk and the panic had on this game? Who knows? Because, you know, what, what, did, what was the figure that they said on, on Friday? I think it was something like four or 5,000 paid tickets didn't turn up. Yeah. So that obviously had an impact on it as well. So we need to take that into account. But, yeah, look, I said last week I had concerns over Parramatta, and I, I still do. Uh, well, it's round one, so yeah, exactly. I'm not going to panic. Go but, on them, but uh, it, it's certainly it, it, the most positive thing to come out of is they got the two points. Yeah, and in the past games like that, they played the, the Titans this week. That's a positive as well. Yeah, they're, they're the kind of games in the past though you don't see them grind out. And I thought they did well to defend their line multiple sets. They found energy off the back of it, but uh, the, the spine definitely need to be a bit more cohesive. I don't know why they went away with playing direct. I thought both the back rowers, Madison Lane, good. Gutherson, as always, ball of energy, but way too many errors. Nathan Brown, etc. And I guess the summary of how ugly the game was was the only try that Reed Marnie scored. It was basically, you know, kick, deflection, and just landing on the ball. Yeah. Bulldogs, 
if they keep that effort up for the whole year, like I said, they're going to fight everyone for a bone and two points, but surely they can do a little bit of, of something at training or change something in their good ball because they just came up with absolutely nothing inside 20. Yeah. But we'll Spot on. move on from that game. Uh, Canberra, Titans, your mob. Really, the tempo of this game was set with the first set of the game when Wallace drops the ball and then Jack Whiten gets inside Ash Taylor and it's the same kind of few things again, just real simple things. Ash Taylor giving up his inside shoulder a couple of times, errors from guys that you wouldn't expect to be making errors and leading your team. Uh, your Bryce Cartwright to the world, who I actually thought really, really tried in this game and had a red-hot crack, but again, still just can't get that error out of his game or forcing the issue on play one or two and... Yeah, Ash Taylor, who's a million-dollar halfback. And again, I know he had the time off last year, but on play fives, passing the ball off to Peachy and Cartwright and other guys to to finish the sets off. Like He needs to own that. Mitch Rain trying his ass off, but throwing three forward passes. like it, it, Just all that stuff in the end adds up to a loss. You, you can't overcome those things if it's just a constant. No. And look, it was interesting to hear Justin Holbrook talk on... 360 last night, he just said that the first 20 minutes was just not us. We didn't look like we were prepared to play. And that's spot on. And For the rest of the game, the Titans competed. They, they were good. Uh, but that 20 minutes is, that's losing football. Like, the game's over before it starts. He just, Ash Taylor gave up two of the softest tries you'll ever see on his inside shoulder. They're like, it's unforgivable at the, at the professional level. You, you can't not get your body in front. You can't not uh, make tackles, critical one-on-one tackles on your inside shoulder. Uh, you know, he knew he was facing up against Jack White. All pre-season, he knew they were playing Canberra at round one. It, it's... I'm, I'm over making excuses for Ash Taylor and, and um, you know, his la- lack of... I don't think it's effort. I, I don't know whether I could question his effort, but just his application and execution in games, it's, it's frustrating. So, you know, to be paid that sort of wedge, and I know that we shouldn't be saying that money doesn't always equal or, or what you pay someone doesn't always equal, you know, the, the type of performance that you're going to get. But, you know, how many chances do you get? Yeah, I, I think, again, things will get better under Holbrook. I saw signs of effort, like you said. I saw some improvement, a couple of guys in particular. Philip Semi. Uh, if Brimson comes back, I still think he's the yeah. one. But if not, no Brimson, no Fodawaka, no Ryan James. Yeah. If they uh, no Shannon Boyd, you know he's another one who's getting big wedge that he's going to need to come back in and play well. But you know, like you look at Bryce Cartwright, another one on big wedge didn't play well. Um, who's the other one I'm thinking of? It's on um, Jared Wallace on big wedge didn't play well. So. You know, these players that are on big coin, they need to start performing. The, the Titans have got enough. When you look across their roster and look at the experience of their players, they've got enough players there to be doing much better than what they are. Well, it's basically just a collective of internationals and origin players that have come from big clubs that take the pitch once they get there. But hopefully, yeah. hopefully under Holbrook, he can bring that, you know, back together and actually get him to play some decent football. And again, there were signs of effort on the weekend. I thought Peachy... Callum Watkins looked a lot better off the back of that injury in a full preseason. I thought he played a pretty good game. Yeah, he was um, good. There's some options there, though, moving forward. I think if AJ's healthy and they don't like Roberts and Taylor together, you could potentially play Brimson there and leave Semi at fullback. If you're not happy with that, Semi can go back to a wing and be part of the set start still with Brimson as your attacking weapon at the back. You could put Peachy at six, get his hands on the football. You could put him at lock, move Arrow to the front row and 
Well, they've moved Peachy Who's that? this week. I thought Peachy was all right last week, but yeah, that's just me. Fatuaka was named this week. Brimson's in the extended bench again, but they've got some options there, so I'm interested to see what happens. But just simple errors, simple things that cost them throughout the game. And, you know, uh, on the Canberra side of thing, they couldn't have had a better first half. I think they only made one error. They had all the football, all the penalty, two free tries on the inside shoulder. Josh Hodgson just dictated the game from the middle of the field and it left Jack Whiten and George Williams to do what they both do best, which is run the football. Uh, Their back five... You know, looked very, very good as well. They rolled up field quite easily. Papali, Horsberg, all those guys did their job. And second half, obviously, at 18-0, uh, they probably weren't as sharp. But, you know, at home, win round one, minimal efforts, still with a new spine and some new combinations. Canberra would be happy with that result. Yeah, suggested that I had the over 44.5. So that one went down. Uh, they didn't quite get up there. And that was more on the Titans than it was on on the Raiders. Hmm. Um, yeah, let's move on. Some good signs. Uh, also, Emre Gula showing some improvement. They'll get Hudson Young back once he's off suspension as well. Bateman to come back. So early signs good, but round one we move on. Cowboys Broncos, 28-21. New stadium, new players, but to be honest, some of the same old, same old remains. Uh, McLean and a couple of these guys I thought were a bit of a letdown. I, I, I still look at Tamalala and think they're aligned him way too much for their middle Attack. I thought their back five was a little bit better, in particular getting Masters up there, who's led the offloads the last two years for outside backs. He had 200-plus metres, five offloads. He tried his ass off, but any time they got good ball, they made an error. It was still way too predictable. It was too sideways. Like Michael Morgan, I know he's had some injuries. And you can't keep going back to what happened in 2017, but at some point, uh, I, I don't know. He, he needs to have a good hard look in the mirror because everything's just sideways or running overs, trying to get to the outside of a half and draw a centre. But even when he went through once or twice and it did work for him, he threw the ball at his ass. He made four or five errors. Every kick had no thought. He was just chucking bombs up and hitting, hoping for the best. I, I thought Drinkwater was better, even though I still thought he played a little bit sideways. And I, I, I'm going to give them a bit of a grace period because there is a lot of change here. They've brought in an extra hooker. You've got Holmes, who had a mixed night. McLean off a couple of years with her injuries. Maguire's not there yet. Hess, we don't know whether he's going to find his form. There's a couple of question marks, and there is a fair bit of new players, but against the Brisbane side that had Lodge, Offerhand, Gowie missing, a couple of guys on the bench that, you know, had to pick up some of the slack, and obviously they've got a ridiculously good 1-13, to 13, but uh, at a new stadium after a down year against your rival, I would have expected a little bit better. And In the end, they were still quite close, but they just didn't take their opportunities, and, and they just looked a bit lacklustre in their attack and, and the way they took their opportunities when inside 20. Yeah. Yeah, would agree on that. Um, what did you think of the new stadium? I like it. The old horseshoe shape. It's a bit different. It was... Uh, the cap was a little bit concerning, that performance. A little bit concerning. Brisbane, uh, yeah. I, I, this is really a game that you know, you, you take pass and Fafita out and throw them with the Cowboys, probably go, well, the Cowboys win it. They, they were just unbelievable, those two. Uh, Fafita's uh, involvement overall uh, wasn't huge, but, you know, the, the impact that he had uh, on a couple of specific plays was massive in, in the context of the game. The Cowboys, yeah, I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of the Cowboys. I, I, was, I really thought that they... 
uh, win this game, and they had every incentive to do so. They had a huge crowd and opening the stadium and Jonathan Thurston's statue and uh, the Broncos had lost Jack Bird. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about the cows. So, uh, But the Broncos, that's, that's everything that you probably wanted to see from them. In round one, I thought their new combinations looked fairly solid. Asako, despite the short notice, came in and did a, did a good job. But Payne Haas, like, his work rate is unbelievable. Oh. And, you know, you look at him and Pangai Jr. and um, Fafita, like, Pangai Jr.'s obviously got some issues in his game that he needs to iron out. Um, you know, they were missing Lodge as well, missing Bird. So they, they aren't with their concerns. Uh, but yeah, I thought the Broncos. The scoreline probably flattered the Cowboys. The Broncos won by seven, but you know this game was over with twenty to go. Yeah, well, I think the big thing for them. This is what concerns me about the Ford pack that needs to get better with a couple of those players for the Cowboys. Tamalolo shouldn't be your play one Ford. No, you're paying a million dollars for somebody because he can do that job, but you need someone else there so you can get him on play two or three off the back of a decent play the ball or something to make an impact, whereas you look at Brisbane and you're like, who can take play one and set it up for other guys? Flegler can do it, Carrigan can do it, Haas can do it, Pango Jr. can do it. They've got four or five guys and they're still missing a couple that can all lay that platform play one to open up the set, play two, three for those other guys. And then you've got a Fafita, like you said, who I literally said five seconds before to our old man when watching the game, I have not seen him at all tonight. He's done nothing. And when that ball got to him, just embarrassed. Hess and Cooper and a couple of guys. I can't even remember who it was. I think it was Hess and a couple there. Outruns a winger, steps the fullback. Like, for not having much involvement, when you throw someone a ball and they can do that and just burn five or six guys, incredible. And they that you saw the benefit of a year with all those young guys. You saw the benefit for a couple of those older guys now that Seabowl's had full control for a year. I think you saw Darius Boyd do a very good job in his role and look like he actually enjoyed himself. McCulloch had a bit of spring off the bench knowing that his future is on the line, and I think it's well and truly set in for a couple of those guys that still probably aren't a pl- part of his plan long-term and guys where he's stuck with from the Wayne Bennett era that if you don't buy in, I'll just put you in cup and, you know, within 12 months, whether you're here or you're going to be somewhere else, like, surely you want to enjoy your football and just get on the back of these young kids. Yeah. The back five, yes. Arthurs, um, you know, Turpin guys that he brought from the Melbourne 20 system that he coached, did a job for him. Hop, Jamil Hopawato, who he should have debuted many, many years ago if he didn't have his off-field issues, got a game. Kenny did a job for him. He's got Farnsworth. They've got another kid who's going to have to play this week now because Pengai's got four weeks. Ethan Bullimore, Jordan Reiki, I mentioned in our previews. I'm sure they'll get dispensation for him at some point. It's it's not over. And I think the scary part here is they're talking about them and money and having the cap sorted. If McCulloch ends up moving on, which is likely. Boyd's now confirmed his retirement. If Jack Bird's situation is such that after three season-ending injuries, he retires or agrees to move on or they can medically retire, I'm just throwing things out there. They could potentially have a couple of million dollars in the kitty. Yeah. And not only is that good for the kids they've got coming through, but they could potentially get on the market again and delve further into this squad. So uh, a lot of good signs early. Happy, in particular, for Seabold to see all those young guys play more how you would have thought they would want to have last year and had a big pre-season. But um, even the halves, like Milford, that, that's his game to a tee. Off the bat of quick play the balls, off width. He offloaded six or seven times just running the football into contact and creating second-phase play. Brody Croft looked more comfortable playing in that setup there where the best part of his game, similar deal, is running. 
It isn't organising. Everyone keeps talking, oh, he's there to organise and steer the side. At times, I didn't see him for long periods of the game. Yeah. He just ran his edge and he ran the football when he got it and he passed. and kicked. Like, I, I don't know why people... It's easy, it's easy to split him up. It's fine. Hmm. Even Milford. But I, I just don't get it. He, has to be an, he doesn't have to be an organiser. That team is built to play downhill and play fast. And when they did on the weekend with Turpin, him, Azarko, Milford, they're all the perfect people to have around those big bodies to roll downfield. Yep, we'll see how the Cowboys go. I'm not going to put the can on them just yet, but there needs to be a market improvement in particular from McLean, Maguire being back this week, Hess, etc. Tamalolo can't be the setup player. He needs to be coming off the back of a couple other guys' work. And Morgan needs to improve. Yep. Uh, Newcastle, Warriors, 20 zip. Funny this one. Wet, windy, Early doors, first seven or eight minutes, you're looking at Newcastle, errors, penalties all going against them. The Warriors inside 20, putting pressure on them and uh, just showed some resilience and held off. And the moment they got a couple of penalties after defending a tough little period, they rolled upfield. Saifidi, just on a nice angle in the wet weather, playing the conditions well, scores a try. They're intense, outstanding. They're just, they look like they had a point to prove. And playing under their new coach, obviously, they they proved that point. New New Zealand, just off the back foot, gave away multiple penalties, had a player put in the bin. Uh, you know, that wasn't a great period for Newcastle. They didn't take advantage of it and conceded a 40-20 and a couple other bits and pieces. But the game itself as a whole for Newcastle, I thought, was a real signal of Adam O'Brien's arrival. They showed intent on their goal line D, which has been something you haven't renowned them for the last couple of years. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today teed off in red when they had a good set end inside 20, good line speed players just flying in. They dominated territory and field possession. Callum Ponga's game, like everyone was talking about his attack, I was more impressed by his organisation defensively, especially on the line and the way he was throwing his own body around. Like, everything just looked better, more committed, more well put together and Jaden Braley obviously fit in really really well in his role as well and that, it just made everything flow and it, it all came off the back of their forwards their spine, but more particular, their defensive intent, whether that be defending their goal line or teeing off in red. I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and say I think the Warriors are a great side this year, but 20 zip at home in trying conditions first up. If I'm a Newcastle fan, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I was happy with it. I thought they just ground away, took advantage of the opportunities that they had, shit conditions uh, in the wet. It was windy as well. Uh, I thought for 60 minutes they were very, very good, and there was probably a 20-minute flat spot in that game where it just petered out. Both teams knew what the result was going to be. So uh, there the was suggested better. I had Cowboys-Broncos was either team by less than six and a half, and that went down by half a point. Um, suggested better in this one, we said, uh, or I said the Knights minus three and a half. So that one got home. So, um, yeah, I wasn't super confident in, in Newcastle. I just really wanted to wait and see. But I, I, that really confirmed some of the reasons why I said that they could be top four uh, and, and actually picked them in my top four in our pre-season podcast. Um, you know, they're just going to have to have that same defensive application for 
uh, a really, really uh, consistent period of time, and, and they're going to really push for a top four spot. I think that was clear that the cornerstone of this match was all about defence. The points, you know, they sort of came and went um, in, in different patches, but I felt a real intent to prove themselves defensively and a real want to uh, hold the Warriors to nil late in that match. Mm. If there's one thing O'Brien's renowned for, it was more the his attacking side of things, but he's just been involved with two of the best defensive systems and coaches over a long period of time. He'd be silly not to take what you've learnt from there and try and put that in place in Newcastle because it has been a big problem. Absolutely. So if they buy into that, and obviously we know he's good in the attacking side of things, you can expect a market improvement in particular on the defence uh, side of the ball. But the bigger thing is they need to buy into the coach, which clearly in the past there's been issues, but... If this group buys into what he's bringing, there's certainly enough there, and I think Braley already showed that he makes a big difference to that team and let him deploy Watson on the field as a middle who's just dangerous full stop. Uh, I still maybe have a question on, like, Guerra and Glasby when they rolled on. They probably didn't play as big a minutes, but if Jacob Saifidi can get up to his brother's level with SESI, they look good. Fitzgibbon, Barnett, really like those guys as well. Uh, it's probably just a couple of those bench forwards, and I think maybe moving forward, the back line round one, was good, but I think when Bradman Best is healthy, they've got Stafford Toa. Those one or two guys may push Shibasaki and Tuala during the year, depending on how they play. But uh, Swain Jr. Yeah, Swain Shibasaki had a pretty good game, but <laughs> the, the spine is basically settled. Crossland on that, if he thinks he's an upgrade of man who, who did a good job on the weekend off the back of those guys, they might change the six, but your seven, your nine, and your one are finally settled. And for the most part, you realistically need to have at least one of the halves sorted, you need a fullback and you need a nine and with Brody there, that really looks like it's solved now. Yeah, it does. Uh, absolutely. They look really, really settled, didn't they? Uh, the, the one spot is that six spot. So, Phoenix, could be him, could be Tex Hoy if he develops, but now the lower tier is gone, that's kind of taken that opportunity away from them to do that. Mm. Um, that that'll be interesting, but for the Warriors, it's your same old, same old. I thought Sheck was good. Ken Ken Marmolo does his job. And the most impressive player for me was the debutante rugby union kid who's only played league for a year, Elisia Katoa. He was outstanding. He was. Um, wouldn't have expected that from a 20-year-old. But other than that, it was what I thought about the Warriors coming into it. Uh, they struggled. Yeah, they've, got, uh, they've got a lot of... Um a lot of concerns now before they even hit the field. So yeah, well now they've got even more concerns because they've got a couple of guys going home. They've got a reduced squad and they're living away from home. So I think all that stuff's going to take a toll. And I'd, I'd hate to say it for any Warriors fans out there, but if anyone's going to feel the pinch of this situation long term, it's going to be them as, as the weeks go by. Yep. The odds started, I think, dollar forty to two eighty or something like that against Canberra. The last two days worth of news, I think that's blowing out now to a dollar twenty five to four dollars for the Warriors. So big big change up there, but we'll have to wait and see what happens in their situation. But it's definitely trying times for the Warriors and how they're going to be playing moving forward, living training. Um, very, very challenging. But Newcastle, uh, hopefully see some more positive signs this week against the Tigers who are scrappy against the Dragons. They won't be an easy beat, but good start to the season. In particular getting the duck egg against the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The zero is the most important yeah. uh, element of that scoreline. Sharks, Souths, 22-18. I was a little surprised because I, I know I left the Sharks out and I said it hurt me because to me they're one of those teams that always overcomes adversity. But to hear during the week that a lot of people thought that Souths were an absolute shoe in to win this game I thought was a joke. Um, the Sharks never go away. The Sharks are always there for a shit fight and sure enough, 
they were for this one again. Early on, they were their own worst enemy, even though they were rolling up and down the field, which they never struggle with. Souths absorbed. Good kicking early on from Reynolds. Some play five running, etc. Sharks give up some repeats and penalties, etc. It's 10-2 before you know it. But as they always do, they lose a winger. They're under adversity. Things seem to be going against them. And then Jimmy the Jet gets sent in the bin. The Sharks don't go away. Uh, Wade Graham scores a nice try. Second half again, they seem to be dominating. Uh, and the back end of the first half, my main worry for South obviously was the starting forwards. Once they went off for the last 10, 15 minutes, Cronulla just rolled all the way through them. Uh, in second half, plenty of opportunities. They, they had the majority of the ball. They had the majority of the control. And in particular, for the last 15, almost 20 minutes of the game, at one point there, it was 85 to 15 percent possession territory they had seven or eight sets to three they bombed a couple of opportunities and in the end probably full credit to South the way they defended and held on despite the fact they shot themselves in the foot with errors and penalties trying to hold on to that lead but uh, Cronulla are one of these teams this year to me that again they could be in the eight again they could miss the eight but there's just there was just too much noise around them coming into this this year and Josh Morris is now confirmed as leaving Sherry, the noise about him not being happy about his pay packet, this, that, and the other. And then just full stop, when's he going to be back? Dugan was all a bit gone and didn't want to be there. Now, magically, he's happy to be there again. Johnson was really good in this game, but is he going to last the whole season? Moylan's now being confirmed and missing up to a month. I, I still, I'm still not sure, but if anyone would prove me wrong out of the teams I left out, I'd think it'd be the Sharks long term. some of these players, I guess, as well, and their general health. But uh, Wade Graham, he looks sharp. Him, Johnson, getting around the field. You know, I think Mulitalo going off early, you thought would have hurt, but they covered up for that well, as they always seem to do. Fafita and Woods, I thought, laid a good platform, and then they get to roll out Ueli. Toby Rudolph in his first game, he, he was okay. Obviously not the best conditions and best situation to start off, but uh, looking at things for them, I think that Katoa finish, that second try, was an absolute ripper. Uh Perler of a finish, but no surprise they targeted the Cody Walker edge last year and years prior when it's been him, Sutton, and even when GI was there, it's been an edge that's been renowned for the attack, but defensively not the best, and they found love there twice late. So that's something they need to address, and they need to address that period which worried me when their bench comes on. Went to Tola, who was massive in this game, went off the field and Liam Knight, and they readjusted by trying to put Murray in the middle and low on. They just got dominated during the middle third. Cronulla rolled all over him, so... 
I know Mago would have been a good suggestion, but now he's torn his peck, and we've said it again. Do they find another forward? Have they got someone else in their squad? Do they bring in that Colin Matangi and play him as a middle to try and get someone with a bit more leg speed and power? I don't know, but I think the Sharks are a good enough side to be in the eight, but they're going to face better packs and better teams like a Melbourne, like a Roosters, or even Penrith, who prove they've got a very good rotation on the weekend. Teams like that, that when those blokes roll off, if they can't hold the middle, they're just going to roll straight through them. Yeah. So that that was my main concern. And one to seven again, it's it's good to have all the Ferraris and the Toys and the Jet, all the strike power. But if you can't lay a platform, they don't matter. Yeah. So well, I suggested that here was South minus three and a half, and that one just squeaked in. So got away with it. A few good bets on the weekend. Mm. Well, my first multi got up, which was the first three games, just Eels, yeah, boom, boom, boom. Uh, Raiders, and. Newcastle just thought they were three dollar thirty five dollar forty etc. That looked solid thirty or something to pay. And then when we're at the uh, Penrith game, which is the next one in our radar on Saturday night, I had Kikau into Penrith one to twelve at nine dollars, which was pretty tasty. So yeah, not complaining about that one. But speaking of that game, not the start you're looking for. They kicked the ball you out on the full. You didn't tip the listeners into it, right? Did you? Nah, because that one wasn't on my mind until we got there. Grab. That was, a, that was a couple of beers, and then I just got the phone out and thought, this yes. seems like a great idea. <laughs> well, me and uh, our cousin Alex, we uh, we loaded up on Penrith 1 to 12, so uh, there, was a, there was a few people collecting on the hill, weren't there? Well, speaking of cousins, I said Newcastle 13 plus, so if cousin Gary was listening, he, he should be a bit richer right now. Cuz guys. Good times. Go the Knights. But uh, yeah, to that Penrith game, <laughs> awful start. Kick out in the full, Roosters oh. get the penalty goal. Get a try, not long after that kick contest brought down. All the pressures on. They've got Penrith on the back foot. They're rolling up field. Tokyo grab ones off a friend grabber. They're just absolutely relentless. And, and Penrith, to their credit, did absorb a little bit in that period and steadied up. But uh, early doors, you're sitting there going, even with players missing and a bit of an adjusted lineup and a new half pairing, they're just relentless. You got guys that have done basically no preseason travel to Europe, etc. You wouldn't have expected it, but. The main reason we did tip somebody like a Penrith at this point is they weren't really affected during the pre-season. They had all this time together. And if there's any time you want to get the Roosters, it's now. And to their credit, 12 zip down, they turned it around. Uh, once they steadied, they I, th- I thought they more than matched the Roosters in the middle. They got upfield easy enough. The halves combination it worked very, very well. Said it a million times last year and before. Cleary and Maloney just don't work together. And I thought Nath looked very, very good as the lead on the weekend, and him and Luai coming through together know each other's games. Luai runs and plays second field and does a good job there. Coruscant was huge. He complimented them. He worked that ruck and said, like I said last year, if you don't have a nine who can manipulate a defend, uh, the A's and the markers, etc., and get people rolling over the ad line, well, then there's pressure on your forwards, and then any time in good ball, there's pressure on your halves because they get attacked from the inside early. All those things seem to work well. My question was still over fullback, and clearly... Ivan Cleary felt that way. Aikens did have a huge imprint on the game and they swapped him for Stephen Crichton late in the picture and that video emerged today. And Obviously, people recording that he literally ran on the field before Mansour kicked that ball back inside and scored 15 seconds into being on the ground. <laughs> yeah, Penner certainly didn't uh, start well today, but uh, once they set her up, I felt like Penner just needed some confidence. So once they got that first try... Uh, I thought they really, really settled and half-time probably came at the perfect time for them. They came out, they looked a different side and, look, I think if the game went on any longer, that Penrith would have just won by more. I really didn't feel like the Roosters were coming to get them at all. 
uh, late in that match. And look, they've obviously got their concerns. The Roosters, they had a lot of trouble to contend with. They weren't at full strength. Uh, they had injuries during the game. Players leave the field, and uh, which caused some disruption to the cohesion. Uh, they had, they've got new combinations and uh, players adjusting to new positions. So a lot going on for the Roosters. And that's what I said last week. I thought it was a perfect time for Penrith to, to run into them. And, um, you know, I think we, we picked Penrith 1-12. to We picked Penrith head-to-head. Uh, the bet I ended up settling on was to take Penrith with a 6.5 at a dollar ninety, and that ended up uh, winning by the length of the straight, which was, was nice. Um, but I, I really, really like what I saw from the Panthers, and it sort of restored a little bit of the faith that I had in the pre-season, and uh, it's a big, big year for the team at the foot of the mountains, and I think you nailed it early on. Luai, and, and I said this last week, like Luai and Cleary, Um, Hold on, mate. Combinations in the lower grades. Everybody just missed you for about five seconds, then you cut out. <laughs> oh, did I? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, Luai and Cleary have got a long-standing relationship, a lot of fluidity uh, through a long-standing relationship through the the junior ranks. So uh, it didn't surprise me at all. I thought Jerome was probably a little bit quiet, but Cleary was dominant. Uh, and... I thought it was a fantastic performance by the Panthers. Mm. I think Cleary again, hopefully this year, proves a few people wrong. But again, when it was... And Coruscant. Huge. I said it would make a difference. It certainly did. I'm still not sold Uh, on fullback. The late introduction. Timmy Witt Witt wanted us to drop him on the podcast because he he reckons Stephen Crichton's going to be the... potentially the future number one for the Panthers. So he was was into us. Well, coming through... He's played yeah, some five eight, and he's played a bit of fullback, but predominantly he's been a ball runner. He's again not so much a ball player. And late in the fixture, there he's obviously good under the high ball. He cleaned up one there, and he cleaned up a lot of football. But I, I still think maybe similar to Aikens and Edwards, he's more of a ball runner than he is a ball player. Mm, I but, think he's going to be a good centre, and that's why again I didn't really mention him in the preseason side of things because the way they've been using him or coaching him up looks like centre wing is going to be spot. Yeah, I think centre. So if they give him a run at fullback. Compared to Aitkins, I don't know. But there's only one way to find out. You could have given him 80 minutes there. He had a massive impact in the 13 or 15 minutes he got, but that's not enough to go off to say that he's the guy to take that jersey. Yeah, but, but shout out, shout out to Timmy and the boys on the hill. Yeah, a couple Good of beers night. under his belt got Good fairly night. aggressive. Oh, mate, he was drinking to his new. Very aggressive about that one. <laughs> Absolute filth. We were we were pumping in some delicious super dries, but to his new. Ugh. No, thank you. Mm. And speaking of that game, uh, Fisher-Harris, fresh off a peck injury, was absolutely massive. He had a huge game. Nath, like we said, Coruscant. I think Yo, I said it again, never thought he was really a back rower. Like, again, he, he can do a job on an edge. He's good defensive. He runs good lines. But his mobility and size in the middle just suits the way the game's going right now. And he had a that blinder. Was, that was the best game I've seen Isaiah Yo play in first grade. He had a blinder. He's always been a lock. That's his best spot. I think he'll stay there. The fact that they were able to bench kick out for Liam Martin and bring him in in two different stints, which at the start I was a bit confused about, but in the end worked out quite well. If they get Capewell back in the mix and they can settle on a fullback and stay healthy, uh, plenty of good signs round one. But again, if they play the Roosters back into the round 20 full strength, I'd probably be putting my money on the Roosters. But we'll see how Penrith developed during the year, but good signs early on for them. I thought Friend 
had a good game. A lot of people said Tedesco was quiet. I still don't think racking up over 200 metres and not making any errors is quiet, but his team were well contained. So, you know. Well, he made, he made an error. He, he missed that 40 20 uh, late in the game, which was crucial, but. No, I thought, I thought Tedesco was good. Yeah, Tokiaho, good as always, Tupo and Yardage. But, yeah, they're, they're missing some troops. They're a little bit underdone. I'm not really worried about the Roosters. You give them four to six weeks. Yeah. They'll warm their way into the season. Storm, Manly, 18-4. Melbourne just keep on keeping on. I think that's the 18th in a row or something in round one. This game I can sum up pretty easily. This is just your, your typical Storm Eagles game. It was a, an arm wrestle. It was ugly. There was a lot of errors due to the, the soapy balls that were getting washed in bloody eskies and thrown back in after they'd gone into the crowd. But um, I, I thought both were a little bit clunky, in particular Manly. And again, not surprised. Lots of guys off off-season surgery. So, uh, you know, not much of a pre-season together. A lot of guys, probably not enough football under their belts. And then you've got a new number nine in the mix. No Coruscant, no Farnu, that rotation. A lot more responsibility on DCE. Uh, Tommy, again, fresh off of surgery. A couple of those medals, etc. But Melbourne, what do you say? They just are a brick wall inside 20. They refused to give points away. They gave away two penalty goals only. And then they found points late. And of all people, I wasn't expecting it to be off the boot of Jerome Hughes, but clearly he's worked on his kicking game. He came up with a pinpoint kick twice for Sully. And then Cameron Smith, who was outstanding, rolls an ice little one through there for Tommy Eisenhurst to get his first try. Yeah, well, this was a real arm wrestle, wasn't it, for, I guess, 50 minutes. And then at about the 50th minute mark, I just felt like the storm went up a gear. I thought Cameron Smith had uh, an absolute blinder. He just controlled this game. As good as I've seen Cameron Smith play, I think that was better than any game I saw him play last year. Well, I'm still just... Scary. I'm still dumbfounded how any fan carries on and complains and says that he cost us Croft or we should have kept Croft and Smith should... Like, if you think Cameron Smith should retire with the way he's playing, seriously, <laughs> smash your fucking head on the table three times. Yeah. Because if, if you don't think Cameron Smith makes and, us... And look, I think the scoreline in the end was a reflection of the game. Uh, Manly were gritty as hell. But Melbourne are a cut above them. So oh, that's as, as simple as it, as it is for me. Oh, Melbourne didn't execute. Uh, they struggled to um, sort of get through their plays. And there was a few really close missed opportunities, particularly on that left edge where, you know, they were probably one pass away on a couple of occasions from scoring and and uh, they'd make an error or, or execute incorrectly and mainly just hung in and hung in and hung in. Uh, but mainly just couldn't generate points when they had lots of possession and field position. Whereas when Melbourne sort of had those periods, uh, look, they weren't perfect, but they were a lot better than what Manly were. Think uh... good game, but that was probably the game. You know, I think it was four two at, at, at like after about fifty minutes, I think, wasn't it? And then yeah, it opened up at the back end. I, I absolutely loved that game. I, I, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, Manly, Melbourne. That was probably my favourite game of the weekend. Yeah. I, I quite enjoyed the Panthers-Roosters game that we went to, but that was a good game from a Melbourne perspective. I'll not I complain. Was, I was looking through hazy, hazy eyes with that one. Um, yeah. Sunday on the lounge, daytime footy, Brookie, Melbourne-Manly, they hate each other. It was great. I loved it. Mm. 
Well, I've got to say, uh, Pappenhausen, why I didn't have a huge effect on the game, was in absolutely everything. He's a pest. He was buzzing around the football. That was great to see. And, uh, I yeah. say. Sorry to say. So to say. The other thing I was very happy with as a Melbourne fan, Tui Kameka Mika's impact in his minutes, which obviously increased. Last year, he was someone I worried about after playing 20, 25 minutes. He was error-prone. He looked fitter. He had a real strong game. Jesse Bromwich and him starting, then rolling into Nelson and Tino, who I thought had a really good game. Melbourne's got a good four-man rotation there if they stay healthy. Oh, yeah. It just looks way better than it did last year. You bring Welch back in if uh, he gets that knee right, and he was borderline playing Origin. Well, he played Kick Up on the weekend. Yeah, well, they were going to do that because he's back early, I think, and they're hoping that they can just slowly bring him back in. But yeah, without, well, that's right. He's not far away. Without the feeder situation now, I think long-term, if it's those two on the bench along with either Welch or King, who I do like as well, and then Brandon Smith when he's back. It's going to be a ripper bench for Melbourne. Yep. I'm still uh, not... Suggested bet this one. Storm minus three and a half, so that one got up. Yippee. Yeah. Well, I'm not sold on the centres just yet. I still like... I do like Olam, especially defensively. Super aggressive. Seve, I, I'm not completely sold on, but uh, I'll give that one again, you know, three or four weeks to see how he plays and how that pans out, but... Munster was the other one. I wasn't really impressed with Munster on the weekend. Yeah. I'm not too sure. I thought he was okay. Yeah, just a bit more, that's all. A bit more. For someone who's on that coin, who's played rep football for a couple of years now, I'd like him to be a little bit more dominant. Smith's still our best player, and a lot of people go, ah, it's because he takes control and does this and that, and rah, he dominates. And, well, fuck, football's there for other people to dominate the game if they want to. The bloke generally dominates it because he's the he's the best player on the field. Yeah. So I don't know. I still don't understand what what Melbourne fans or some people are kicking up about. But if you told me tomorrow it was him or Brody Croft, seriously, still give yourself a triple. Anytime you bring up Cameron Munster, I just think about the Munster stack that we had at the pancake place in Melbourne. Yeah, the pancake parlor. Good times. Oh, it's delicious. But uh, yeah, good start for Melbourne. Definitely look to see some improvement, in particular in the error count and uh, in their cohesion as far as where they're playing the spine and creating points, etc. But Manly, uh, we'll see how that develops the next few weeks with some of those guys off surgery, probably a little bit flat. Their spine playing with Levi and New Nine there as well, a bit clunky. But uh, yeah, we'll see how things pan out. They've got the Roosters this week. Probably again the best time to be playing the Roosters a couple man down, but interesting way to start the season. And the last one, Tigers-Dragons. This was a weird old game. Early chances to the Dragons. Could have scored two or three. Just couldn't dive on a kick. There was a couple of really good kicks there early. Ralph Lawa missed one. Willie Army missed one. Both teams struggled with errors. Both fullbacks gave away a try just off a simple drop. And uh, If anything, I thought the Dragons had the, the better of the running early on. But the Tigers, as we said, much like the Bulldogs, they're going to be nuisance value. They're not going to back down, and they held their own. Twile... Aloye, I thought, were great. McKaylee was better than I expected him to be off the bench. And Benji Marshall's the sole reason they won this game. He's kicking game, he's controlling the conditions, uh, his try on play five there, cutting back in behind the ruck when they got a quick play of the ball. Everything Benji touched turned to goal, but particularly the kicking game in that weather, in those conditions, he was just constantly in a threat. And the development of him at his age to just completely flip from the erratic, loose ad-lib style player he was at a young age to now, just a veteran who plays the game at his own pace and dictates and controls things. If he wasn't there and Luke Brooks was injured round one, I would have been really worried. But the Benji Marshall was just phenomenal. He was great. 
the only concern for me with Benji is his defence. He missed um, he missed some tackles, but that whole edge is a concern. Him and the Lay Lewis, along with Nofaluma, Benji gets itchy. Joey and Le- uh, uh, Luciano both went inside outside at one point, and then even the trial, like I spoke about, uh, I think in our preview, him and Nofaluma, Nofaluma cut in too. So that that edge definitely needs to improve how they work. Uh, they need to stay connected and, and be a bit better there. But on the flip side of that, an attack on their best day, they're going to be absolute dynamite. Yeah, yeah no, they will be. I, I thought this game was politely. It was. Um, I, I'm not sure how these two teams are going to measure up. Let, let me put it that way. So, well, the Dragons just really, really struggled to execute. I thought the Tigers, just in those small areas of the game, they, they are classic Michael McGuire effort. Um, you know, defensively, very, very gritty. They try hard, they run hard. Um, you know, I, I think that's your baseline for the West Tigers because they've got a lot of, obviously, new recruits and people in and combinations to be formed and Moses and Bai uh, to come back in. Will they get Harry Grant? There's a lot of little different things to work in and around the West Tigers, but I've got huge concerns for the Dragons. Huge well, concerns. The biggest thing for me are the Dragons. Well, that was the best day, the best time to get the West Tigers. You know, you know no one by, Brooks goes out, uh, away from home, Sunday night, they're the last game of the weekend, uh, windy, cold, wet, Wollongong. You know, if they, if they can't win that game, they can't make a team feel uncomfortable in that environment. I've got huge concerns for the Dragons. The West Tigers, I, I think they're just you just got to wait and see. Let's let's see them with their best team on the park. Let's see them in a month when they've had some time to to settle into some combinations and they get Luke Brooks back for a, a period of time. Then you're going to see where their ceiling is. But uh, it was just classic Michael McGuire. They won that game because they were tougher, they were more resilient, and they were just better in those little areas of the game. Yeah, I think. We'll see other changes there too. I, I think Corey Thompson, why he's been great at fullback last year and most weeks, I, I think the best move for them is to get Dewey to one and to get Thompson onto Jennings' wing. That's just my own opinion. Um, I think that strengthens the back five. You're going to see Brooks, like you said, come back in. If Harry Grant comes in, Billy Walters, I thought, did a good job. Probably still holds a bench role. You there, Boxhead? Yeah, mate, yeah. <laughs> We're losing you. But, yeah, I just think there might be some developing changes in their spine over the next four to six weeks. Yep, yep. Well, um, we'll see how it pans out, I guess. We'll see how the cards fall with Harry Grant. Like, will this coronavirus situation put a halt to that? It could. Yeah, possibly. On the Dragon side of things, I'm just more still just dumb. logistically moving, I mean. Like, sort of packing up and heading north is going to be a lot more difficult now than what it would have been, you know, say a month ago when this looked like it was really going to happen. Yeah, well, I don't know. But apparently, he, his stuff's been packed and ready to move for a long time now. He's, that's why he's a bit frustrated. But uh, no. I think, yeah, they're not going to struggle in yardage, that's for sure. Between Nofaluma, Thompson, uh, and particular Nofaluma, and Leila were obviously chipping in there. Him and his brother with Benji, they'll build a good combination. Nofaluma's going to score plenty of tries <laughs> off the back of that this year. There'll be plenty of errors and defensive misses down there, but... I think week to week, that edge is just going to be rocks and diamonds. When it's good, it's going to be really good. When it's bad, it's going to be bad. But um, Well, suggested bet here, I had over 38.5 total points, and it was 38 points. 
So, yeah, so. went down by half a point. Hmm. Effort's never going to be a question with the Maguire team, but yeah, I just guess with the injuries, potential of Grant, Dewey being brought on that big money, he's not going to keep playing centre. I think you'll see a no, slow well, move. Just logistically and so the best functionality of the team, they'll work out the best combination and keep chopping and changing a little bit, I guess. But, you know, you, you assume that they're going to get everyone back on deck at the same time, but that rarely does that actually happen within a season. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Dragons, I'm just more dumbfounded by the halves. I really am. Um, for two origin players and that much money tied up in there, they don't really have the effect on the game that they should. No, I agree. They really don't. I thought Frizzell, Vaughan, really good. Sims did a job on Reynolds, but I probably would have liked him to be more involved. Blake Laurie really impressed me. I thought he had a good game. Yeah, but, he played well. Um, in those periods of dominance, or when they're rolling forward off those couple of guys and the impact that Frizzell and Vaughan made on the game, I just, Hunt and Norman don't do enough. They really don't. Lomax, he struggled, and after one week, we said it in the preseason, they gave him this huge contract, you know, reportedly five years, 600000 a season. After one game, they've already quit him, quit at him on fullback, and they're going, oh, it's because we've got an injury, and Ravalawa's out. It's like, well, what happened to Jason Saab or Tristan Saylor or all these other wingers you've got? Why are you moving a guy you've just paid a stack of money to to the wing for a guy named Matt Duffy who you've been trying to offload all off-season? Like you've thrown the baby out of the bath the water within one week, so that's a concerning move for me. Like to say, oh, it's because we don't have another winger. Well, Jason Saab didn't seem too bad last year, and he's one of your better young talents. Why is Lomax, after such a huge deal that you've given him, being moved back to the wing? You've quit on an experiment in one week. Yeah, you don't pay six hundred thousand dollars for a guy that didn't play first grade for a full year if you're not. Yeah, well, let's, let's just see what happens. So, uh, neither of us know. Who knows? Yeah, but the other one for me, Frizzell, they're talking about him potentially going to Newcastle. If I'm Frizzell, I'm going to Newcastle. Yeah, well, I don't know. If that's on the table. Well, again, I don't know. Who knows? Nah, well, we do know. That's the only other offer that's really there, and he wants to sort it out. So I think we're going to know something the next week or two. But if they're the two big offers that are on the table, I think you should seriously consider finishing up at Newcastle. If you have Pierce, Ponga, Braley, Watson, Clamour, SESE, they'll probably move Barnett to lock to accommodate him. You'd have him and Fitzgibbon on the edges with Barnett. Um, you know, I think that it sounds a lot more upside there, whereas you've got a coach that's potentially going to get fired or even McGregor. They might hold on to McGregor for another 12 months just out of the fact they can't have Flanagan for 12 months. We don't know, but it just seems like that and the Jack situation is not going to be resolved. The halves aren't playing well. They're still locked in long term. Unless there's some kind of drastic turnaround here at the Dragons, if I'm Frizzell, I'd be seriously considering the move to to Newcastle beyond this season. Yeah. So I usually don't like to aggravate our Dragons fans because they're generally aggravated enough, but, yeah, there's some worrying signs there. Yeah, there is. But... There you go. There's a wrap-up of the games from the weekend. Jumping in there. So, so my, my bet, if I, had, if I had $10 on every game, I would have had a, a return of $111, so a profit of $31 on the week. So there you go. There you go. For, for the fiends. I didn't track my bets as heavily as you did last week. I'm going I'm to I'm track more here. I just, I'm just interested to know. Well, if anyone, if anyone listened, I, I think I had a few winners, but I'm not going to go back and listen to it now. I didn't write them down either, so, you know. That's okay. But I'm going. Good. Good burns. Uh, tips. 
and betting for this weekend. Boxhead looking at the games ahead and got some lineups here as well. The first game, Dogs Cowboys. Um, oh, good times. The internet dropped out right now. Good times. That, that helps me. That helps me a lot. Dogs Cowboys without lineups. Looking at this one, uh, I'm going to be giving the Cowboys a reprieve, regardless of what I saw last week. I think for the Bulldogs side of things, you know what they're going to bring. They're going to make it gritty. They're going to make it ugly. And to be honest, if the Cowboys play the way they did and the Bulldogs complete high and defend the way they did, I could honestly see an upset. I really could. But the Cowboys must do better. This is a game they have to win. They need to muscle up in the middle. They've got Josh Maguire back with Jordan McLean. Those two need to lay a platform. Cohen Hess needs to pull his finger out of his ass and do something. Um, if he doesn't, and same, like I thought Cooper had a better game than him, and Cooper's dead set on his last legs. Mitchell Dunn's a guy that I just think is keen, is active and involved in the game and was good. I, I'd be starting Mitchell Dunn if one of them, you know, slacks off. But the Bulldogs, they've only got one change. They've got Jake Avarillo, who I think is a really good player, making his debut off the bench. Carrot Holland is out. Avarillo has been really highly sought off in this system. Can play in the halves, can play centre. Um, he'll be more on the bench as a utility role there. But, yeah, I, I just think they're going to dish the same thing up every single week, and the Cowboys need to be ready for it. But I'll, I'll be sticking with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'll, I'll go with the Cowboys. Um, suggested bet, I'll, I'll take the Cowboys minus one and a half at a dollar ninety. Uh, I just think the form that the Cowboys are going to hold coming out of the Brisbane game will stand up more than what the Canterbury's form out of that stinker on Thursday night. Uh, the interesting part probably is the recovery time, uh, having an extra day for Canterbury, and also not having to travel. What impact does that play? Um, but uh, look, I, yeah, I lean, I lean Cowboys, but I agree with your sentiment around an upset if the Cowboys are off because you know what the Bulldogs going to bring. Yep. yep, well, both on the Cowboys. The odds I've got here, 210 for the Dogs at ANZ. The Cowboys seventy-three. The line is now 2.5 looking at this. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be sticking with the Cowboys. But if, if they're not ready to go, Bulldogs more than capable of getting yeah. the upset. Game two, it is the Dragons with another home game at Jubilee Stadium. Net Strata against the Panthers. Dufty, as I said, is already back in the side at fullback. Pereira with the army. Lafayette, Lomax now on the wing. Harves, no changes there, but Sims is suspended. So Tyrell Fuimano, he gets a start in the back row. Onto the bench comes Jacob Host in 17. And for the Panthers on their side of things, they've got Kikiao back in the starting side. Whether they change that late again, I don't know. Liam Martin's back to the bench. Jack Hetherington got suspended. Surprise, surprise. So that lets Billy Burns come back into the 17. Tedavano is under question. He went off after 20 minutes last week, but apparently they think he's going to be good to go. Catewell's going to be missing still for a few weeks, but uh, from what I saw last week, in particular the way they played through the middle and the dominance of their halves, if the Dragons are anything like they were against the Tigers against this Panther side, I think they're in for a long night. I really do. Me too. Um, Panthers suggested bet. Panthers minus three and a half dollar ninety. I don't think three and a half is going to be enough. I agree with your sentiment, mate. After what I saw last week, I don't see how anyone will tip the Dragons to beat the Panthers. Yeah, and the odds in this one two dollars thirty for the Dragons, a dollar sixty two for the Panthers. That just head to head in a multi, if you like, a couple of games is good. And I like the line minus three and a half. I'd, I'd take that with Penrith at a dollar ninety eight without any worry. Yeah. So, no qualms in that one. Uh, next game, Broncos South. This one I find a little bit more difficult. Suncorp Stadium Friday night should be a cracker. 
as far as things go on the Brisbane side of things. Pangai Jr., no surprise, with multiple charges had loading. He's out. They're a bit short, so Jamil Hopawade goes from debuting last week to now starting in just his second game in the back row. Uh, Ethan Bullimore is another one of these gun-young props they've got, played 18s, 20s, Queensland. He's going to be getting a debut on the bench. In looking at the extended bench, I don't think there's anyone they'd sub in for him late. Um, Corey Oates, he's been named despite missing training. They're not sure about him, and Alex Glenn looks set to miss another week. And, uh, yeah, no changes for them otherwise. On the South Sydney side of things, same side that played last week. Braden Burns, he took an early guilty plea to be available for this game. I look at this one, and the main thing, like I said, the Sharks rolled on them, but if there's a team that could tear them apart and roll, it's Brisbane. And last week, I questioned the minutes they got off their bench. The thing about it is Flegler, Carrigan, and in particular Haas, they don't play your typical minutes for your middles. They play overs in minutes, and if... South struggled to contain them and then really struggled against the Sharks once those guys went off. Uh, I'd hate to think what Brisbane could potentially do in the back end of halves when the bench players for South Sydney are on. On the flip side of that, though, the kicking game, the control of those halves, uh, you know, I, I do like bits and pieces about South, but even with those injuries, I'm, I'm still kind of leaning towards the Broncos. Mm. Yeah, I'm leaning Broncos. I just thought the Rabbitohs were scrappy last week. And Seabold, Brisbane, first Bennett, Suncorp, I know there'll be no one there, but they're going to have a point to prove the Broncos. So I'm just going to tip them. Suggested bet um, to win head-to-head, $1.90. I'll take that. Yeah. Well, the odds on that one now, it started off, uh, I think, as favourite for South, but it's now a pick'em game. It's $1.90 a piece, the line minus one and a half. If you're going to have this one, again, in a multi or just straight up, I'd be taking Brisbane just at the $1.90. Or if you like a line in the game, I'd probably say a margin of 1-12. to 12. You know, try scorer. Uh, you know, I talked about that edge, that right edge that they struggled with. If they get any love down there, Katoni Staggs, I think he'd be a very, very good chance to score a try this week if they go at the Cody Walker edge. Yeah. That's one that I do like. Uh, moving on. Next game, Warriors, Raiders. This one, supposed to be over in New Zealand, is now on the Gold Coast. It's the Saturday game. The Warriors, Herbert and Hicku obviously went home for family reasons. So Adam Pompey is now into the side with Adam Kieran on the wing in the centre. Katoa, second game, straight into the starting side. Isaiah Papali goes back to the bench for the Raiders. They had a couple of guys with head knocks, but they've been cleared to play. Ryan Sutton, back from suspension, but he's in the reserves. The only change is they've got Horsburgh going to lock and to pine, going to the back row. Uh, no offence to the Warriors. It's been a, it's been a weird week. Uh, they showed some effort in that game but struggled to score some points. But in this one, I'm, I'm all over Canberra. Yeah, Canberra. Uh, I'm going to take a minus five and a half in a pick-your-own line at $1.60. I'm not keen on taking the big line, um, but I'll, I'll take it to win by six or more. Yeah, and the odds on that one, the Warriors, as I said before, they've blown out $4. The Raiders are $1.25. Similar to you, I'd probably take my own line. I'd look at this one as well and uh, put it into a multi. But, yeah, try scoring options. I think there'll be a few there as well against the Warriors. But it depends what the conditions are like. If it's a dry, fast track, Canberra, Jack White and your George Williams, guys darting off the back of the way that forward pack rolled last week, could have a field day. They really could. But uh, Roosters up against Manly. Leichhardt Oval, this was supposed to be on the Central Coast. It's been moved 
for the Roosters. Crichton, he's back in the side and good time because Satili Tupanura apparently might have done his ACL, so he's out altogether. Ikevalu got concussed last week, but he's been cleared to go. Boyd Cordner is still going to be out for another week. So looking at this side, Orbison Crichton in the back row this week. Ikevalu holds that spot. Back line's pretty much the same. The bench, Liu, Nat Butcher, Collins uh, on the Manly side of things. Nothing's changed there. Tanyela Paseca was considered, but he's been left out for another week. Uh, this is a difficult one for me and the Roosters. Again, I thought they were a little flat last week. I'd expect them to be better this week, but I don't know. I've got a little bit of a feeling about Manly. I'm going to go with the Roosters, but not ideal having another change this week in the back row, someone coming off an infection and, and losing someone like Tupanua, who it was really good value for him. Yeah, Roosters. Uh, but I'll, I'll take him 1-12 to 12 at 285 as a suggested bet. Uh, I almost almost looked at taking Manly with the line. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I'll go the Roosters. Yeah, for me, I, I probably wouldn't touch this one in betting, but... Uh, Roosters dollar fifty two sixty for Manly. The line with the bookies here is minus five and a half. Interesting game, but yeah, you look at the Roosters and what happened last week, and they still found themselves in a position to, to win that game. They burn out a little bit at the back end, but I'd expect them to be a little bit more polished after a rough game last week and looking to get their first win of the season. I'm sure Trent Robertson won't want to lose two in a row, regardless of uh, a few troops and being a bit underdone. Sharks. Storm, always cracker games. This one, a second game this weekend at Net Strata Jubilee. Obviously, no longer having the prison shark park for this season. As far as the Sharks, Bronson Cherry, he's not named in the 21 as he was last week, so he's going to have to wait another week. Josh Dugan has been included as a reserve. Muli Talo, the winger, he suffered a head knot last week, but he's been past fit to go. Matt Moylan's still missing for three to four weeks. And for Melbourne, same 1-17 to that took care of Manly. Dale Finucane had a bit of a head knot last week, but it was just a bad cut. He's been cleared to play. Uh, these are always gritty, dirty, ugly games. I'm 100% sure that the Sharks will throw the kitchen sink at Melbourne. and uh, they, they have a bit of a penchant for beating Melbourne and frustrating them, but I'm going to back the Storm. Yeah, Storm. I'll tip the Storm with some confidence. Uh, and I'm going to take him minus five and a half at a dollar ninety. Yep. And with the bookies, two forty-five for the Sharks, a dollar fifty-five for the Storm, minus five and a half is that line. These games to me are one to twelve games always, so I'll go Melbourne one to twelve. Tigers up against Newcastle, second game at Leichhardt for the weekend. And as far as their side goes, there's just one change. Michael Cheekham is making way for Paul Momorowski to come onto the bench. Bit of a weird move that one for me. I'm quite surprised that. Cheekham's not part of the bench after some of the performances he had last year and his versatility. But, uh, yeah, a couple of names, like we said, still missing. Brooks, Moses, and Bay, et cetera. But for the Knights, not surprisingly, same 17-man side. Sianni Mataudio is named in the reserves, but he will likely not be coming back in. And it says that Moga came back from injury last week in Canterbury Cup, but it's more than likely as of tomorrow, depending on the news, that that'll probably be not, not on. So... There'll be a couple of guys that need some footy that potentially won't be able to get it. But um, the bookie started with the Tigers as favourites at this one at Leichhardt, which I know it's a difficult place to go play. But uh, I liked what I saw from Newcastle round one. I think they'll be a, well, much better put together as far as their set ends and control of the game than what the Dragons were. So I'll take the Knights. Yeah, Knights, $1.98 head to head. Thank you. I'll take that. 
Yeah, the odds now a dollar eighty five for the Tigers, a dollar ninety five for the Knights. Same deal. I'll take that dollar ninety five. The line is minus one and a half. Uh, interested to see what happens in that one and, and that right edge. They had some love last week as far as uh, running that edge. The left edge, you got Fitzgibbon, who's a bit of a try scorer, I'm sure. Benji Marshall, we've seen plenty of traffic from him and Ponga sweeping on that side. They're two guys I'd be looking at this week if you're looking for a, a try scorer against the Tigers. But the last one for this round, your mob brought the Gold Coast Titans back there at Seabus Super Stadium up against the Parramatta Eels. Peachy goes to the bench. Brian Kelly gets his starting centre spot back. Fotuaka is on the bench, and A.J. Brimson and Shannon Boyd are a chance. They're in the reserves, 18 to 21. Interesting to see if they play for the Eels. Uh, it seems like they've gone with the same 17-man squad, just a couple of changes in their reserves. But don't expect anything different there uh, for your mob. Hopefully another improvement effort, hopefully less errors and a bit more of a, a competitive spirit and an improvement, but I'm definitely going to be tipping the Eels in this one. Yeah, eels, but I could see an upset. Uh, I'm going to take the Eels 1-12 to 12 in betting. I can't see them winning 13-plus. I think the Titans are as good a side, or if not slightly better, by the end of the year than the Bulldogs. So uh, I'd just like to see the Titans get some defensive grit, uh, like the Bulldogs have got. I think offensively they're going to throw a lot more at the Eels than what uh, the Bulldogs did. Um, home opener... Holbrook wasn't happy on 360 when he was interviewed and talking about um, how they played, so I expect improvement. Parramatta were rusty and clunky. Uh, so, yeah, this is an interesting game. I'll, I'll go the Eels 1-12, but not with a lot of confidence. Yep, fair enough. And there you go. The odds, the Gold Coast Titans, 275. The Parramatta Eels, forty-five, and the line in this one, minus 6.5. So, uh, tips... We're exactly the same this week. Last week, we both got six. Gossip, he got five. Haven't uh, heard back from him tonight, so we'll get his tips through. But it was a close round to start things off as far as tipping was concerned. But, uh, yeah, Cowboys burned me, and then the other game was the Dragons. Started off looking pretty decent for a victory, but the Tigers came home over the top. But week two, I think there's a few here again that I, that I do like. And if I'm going to have a bet, my three-legger last week I was happy with. This week, I'm going to take... The Eels just head-to-head, dollar forty-five. It's not bad. Newcastle, earlier, I got... Um, what did I get? I got six and a half, I think, at like a dollar fifty earlier when the odds were still bigger. Panthers, minus three and a half, and I think I took the Raiders, minus three and a half. And all up, I think that the, what I got on Ladbrokes earlier on was the one I used. I got about five sixty for that multi. There you go. So for anyone, if you're interested, last week, three-legger. This week, a four-legger. Eels, straight up. Knights, plus six and a half. Panthers, minus three and a half. Raiders, minus three and a half. And I got 557, actually, it says here. So there you go. A couple of mine for the week. You got your suggested ones as we went through their box heads. I'm sure everyone heard those. Correct, yep. And that's us for another week. Uh, Late night. Coronavirus tucked in at the start, having a bit of a chinwag about that, but interesting times in rugby league and interesting times in general, just in the world. Yeah, hopefully things have improved when we chat next. Um, if they haven't, I guess there's not much we can do. Just uh, stay safe, everyone, and um, have a good week and look out for others. That's probably 
what I would say. Hopefully. Uh, as we said, everyone, small businesses, all bits and pieces, just general health, everyone do as you're told. Uh, you know, do the smart thing, take care of yourself, your families, your friends. As far as local business is concerned, as we said, we're happy to support people. If you want some things plugged, message us through. And again, we hope it doesn't have an adverse effect on you, just like we're hoping, obviously, for our old man and other small businesses and friends that have small businesses, they aren't too badly affected. Uh, fingers crossed the rugby league and the NRL continues and they control this situation. Um, and I guess hopefully we can uh, do this in person next week if you're feeling a bit better. And uh, yeah, good times. I may need to get swabbed. Get swabbed. Yeah, swabbed. I'll yeah. apologise now. Sometimes the volume when we do a phone show can go a bit up and down depending on uh, the position on the phone and the speakers and whatnot. But again, we've still got it done. It's almost 11 p.m. right now, and don't forget iTunes were available, Audio Boom, our host site, and now Spotify, rate, review us on iTunes, give us a like, share us with any other league lovers, the tips, we had that tipping comp, I don't think it's still too late to join the links on there, if you scroll down for the ESPN tipping comps and super coaches, I put three up, they filled up in bloody 10 minutes, a lot of people are still asking me for leagues, I've now realised that they don't kick off until round three, so I will put a couple more up in the next few days so people can join before the round three cutoff when all the trades and the head-to-heads officially start. So there will be a couple more fifth and last super coach leagues. A lot of people have sent personal invites, Brock, for me and you. I've already messaged a lot of people. You can only go into 10. We do a draft comp. I, I barely pay attention to it, but I love just being able to open it up for listeners to go head-to-head against other people that listen to the show. So don't take offense that I can't join those comps or Brock doesn't even use that one, but uh, more than happy to open up those comps so the listeners can go head-to-head with one another. I actually hate the normal super guy. I hate the fact that you can have the same person as someone else. Yeah, which is why we do the draft. It's just foreign to me. So, there you go. Done. Everybody out there, enjoy fingers crossed, we can enjoy rugby league moving forward, but uh, for now, enjoy your moving week. Moving forward. Moving forward, hopefully, for the likes of Laurie Daly and all the football fiends out there, we can enjoy rugby league for many more weeks to come. I'd just like to bloody commend Peter Philandis on the way he's handled it this week. Him and Todd Greenberg have been at the forefront, on the front foot, and just doing the right thing for the game, man. Excellent. What about ScoMo? He's like, I'm still going to the Sharks game, and the next minute they come out and say that him and Peter oh, Dutton sure, were next to each other, and Dutton's got it, and he still wanted to go. Yeah. You're out of control, yes. ScoMo. Oh. <laughs> Love it. Oh. Well, there you go, everybody. For now, enjoy your week, and let's hope we can continue to enjoy rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.